August 1st. August 1st. Amen. Amen. Luke told me, he said, honey, do not go into labor leading worship tomorrow. Please, please don't. I said, I'm not. Lord we've, had some, we've had some moments with you in the past of uh, stuff happening while you were pregnant during worship. There's no water over there, right? That's good. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, church. Amen, amen. That's what's up. Well, it's good to be with you. Uh, I took some time last week with my family. My family is here. They are in the uh, nursery this morning. I'm getting some echoes and feedback up here, little Linux. I don't know what that is. Uh, the elders and our families were serving um, through August 10th to give all of our workers a break and for Ebony to prepare the new curriculum and the new volunteers going into the fall. So we're excited about that what God has in store, but uh, we took a break last week as a family, went up to my wife's hometown of Virginia, spent time there, and I thought that I would take a break because I've been taking a break from preaching here, uh, but my father-in-law, whenever I'm in town, he makes me preach at his church, so I preached uh, there about Superman, and I may share that message one day here one Sunday, but I talked about uh, Superman having uh, his only weakness being kryptonite. And I used uh, Hebrews chapter 4. So I may try to bring that in here one Sunday. Uh, but we had a good time there hanging out. Ate too much. I tell you that right now. Ate too much. My mother-in-law, she just loves to cook and put plates in front of you. I didn't have a lot of discipline last week. So uh, <laughs> I was glad, glad to be back. But I heard y'all had a, had a preacher last week. Elder Aubrey, I heard, uh, brought a good word for our young people. Um, so many reports that I got about it that it was a timely word. And uh, so thank you, Elder, for standing in the gap. I've got good men that I serve with, and I'm grateful to build God's kingdom with them. Uh, last week, uh, Brian Patterson and I, and a couple of members of my family, we had an invitation to share at Harpeth Hills Church of Christ right down the road on Old Hickory. And it was an answer to prayer because as we are in a new community, we're asking God to give us new relationships. And so um, that pastor invited us. He had listened to me online. He knew of some of the people who go to our church because some of them used to go to Harpeth Hills Church of Christ. And so um, he went out on a limb and invited me to come and to speak to their Wednesday night uh, family there and uh, had a wonderful time. And it was a confirmation because God is bringing our church into community with other Christians, other churches in this community. Uh, and we're going to do things together. It is uh, not your typical Church of Christ. And this was something that they wanted me to know for sure that it was not your typical Church of Christ, and, uh, and it was not. They were, they were truly wonderful. So look for things in the future where we're going to connect with other churches in this community. So it was wonderful, outstanding. And uh, a few weeks ago, when Sister Stephanie, who leads our student ministry, was sharing the word, um, I was so moved by the things that she brought up and uh, I was so uh, challenged by the need to encourage and communicate well to our students today that I told her and I told the church, I'm going to take some time uh, to speak specifically to some of the issues that young people are faced with in this world today. And so um, a couple of Wednesdays ago, she polled the student ministry and just asked them, you know, what are some of the things that you are facing, that you are struggling with? And these are the things that our children gave to Stephanie. Um, Self-image is one. 
Um, we're in a culture where everybody's taking selfies left and right, and, and there's a promotion of self, but there's also a struggle of who our young people are. They, they, they're having identity crises, overexposure to social media. We all can attest to that. Uh, rebellion. Our students put rebellion down. Uh, homosexuality. Anxiety. It's tough when our students have anxiety, our teens have anxiety upon them. Um, legalized marijuana, opening up to parents, accountability, discipleship, friends who are not believers, ignorance on race and mixed families. Because we have so many families that are integrated here, and so there's ignorance that abounds. Um, idolatry in terms of putting on pedestals, athletes and musicians, uh, and of course, sexual purity and musical influences. So um, there's a lot here, and these are pretty much the same things I dealt with when I was a teenager growing up. Um, same book, different cover, if you will. And I've learned over the years that we can sit down and do a Bible study on each one of these things and show you or show the students what the Bible says about this or about that. Uh, and that's necessary. But if the heart isn't touched, it doesn't matter how much, how many answers we come up with and how many anecdotes we have. It starts with the heart. Because the people that Jesus addressed, he gave them the correct answers on everything because he was the answer. But when you don't want to hear the truth, it doesn't matter how many little things you do to show what the Bible says about this. It starts with the heart. So we want to continue to pray for our students as well as for our adults in this church that our hearts will be forever sensitive to the Lord. And when we worship like we just worship, worship opens up our hearts to be sensitive. When you find yourself struggling to worship God, it's because you are on the throne in your life. It's because you are too busy and too preoccupied with yourself or your issues, your problems to really focus on the Lord and just give him glory. And so when we worship, when we forget about ourselves and concentrate on him and worship him, he begins to put things into place. I had a gentleman that I spoke with this morning. He was hoping I was going to be here last Sunday and I wasn't here. He had something heavy on his heart, uh, but I wasn't here. And the beautiful thing is when we met this morning, the Holy Spirit was able to speak to him about what he was dealing with last week, meaning that he has an anointing from God that will teach him things that no pastor can teach him. And that's the beautiful thing that when we walk with God, he'll show you things. Same for our students. He will minister to you. He is the good shepherd. I'm just an under shepherd. So we want our students to cultivate their own relationship with God because he can speak to you in ways that your parents may not be able to get through. And so we just want to always encourage our kids. If we could just lift them up to the Lord, hmm, he can do more with them. So today, that's kind of what I want to start with um, in addressing the students and really uh, teens of all ages. That's us, all of us, because there's nothing new under the sun. It's all common to man. So as I'm kind of aiming a little bit the next three Sundays talking about issues for students, I want our students to, to know that your pastor loves you. I care for you. I was once where you are. Um, I am not so far removed. I, I try to keep it real. Um, and so, so I hope that you'll have an ear to hear the things that God is putting in my heart to speak. So uh, let's go over to Daniel chapter 1. This right here. Turn it off. You want me to use it? This isn't working. 
It's a little crazy. Check, check. You know, I'm ready to throw this away anyway. <laughs> See, like every other week, this thing give me a problem. The devil is a liar. I rebuke you. Get out of this sound system. I know why I can't sing. Because if I could sing, I'd sing every Sunday. We'd still be singing right now. Because uh, the Lord brought Sharita Anderson all the way in from Florida. Is it, no, it's not Florida. Is it Florida? I always forget where you live. Former member, strong time, really lifelong member. I'm always your pastor. This is your church. And, and he used you, sister. He used you. Grateful. Thank God for the psalmist that he gives those gifts to. All right, I don't like what I'm hearing up here, man. What's going on? What's happening? Put it up top. Do it like this. <laughs> check, one, check, check. Nobody greater. Preach, Pastor, preach. Daniel chapter 1 in the Old Testament. Of course, you know I'm reading from the New King James. So let's get into this and have a good time. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, small g. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God, small g. Verse 3, then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men, in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank. And three years of training for them so that at the end of that time, they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Let me talk today to people of all ages, but especially to our students. On 
the subject of I'm not going out like that. I am not going out like that. Let's pray. Father, we live in a world where Satan is bold. Unbelievers are bold about unrighteousness in their philosophies of life. Not only are they subtle, but Lord, they are bold. And so as your people, may we be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, but may we also be bold in the name of the Lord. Yes, strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. And there is no body greater than the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, as I read these scriptures and as I look around this sanctuary, I know that there are young people who are standing for you. Young people who aren't bowing to the things of the world, who have a heart that has been set on fire by you. But even still, they, just like I, need encouragement from time to time to be reminded, to be renewed in our minds about the battle that we are in. So, Holy Spirit, speak. Say things that I'm not even saying. Touch hearts today. And may we leave out of here saying, I've got to read the whole story of Daniel. I've got to get in the word for myself. Create an insatiable hunger, not only for the word, but also for the practical application thereof. Holy Spirit, do the work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I like the word intentional. Intentional is a a powerful word. It's a word that connotates action. It speaks of having purpose. It speaks of being deliberate. When you are intentional, you are deliberate. And so today I want to share intentionally a couple of things that I see that we need to intentionally be about from this passage of scripture because if we are not intentional we will be passive if we are not intentional and deliberate to live for the Lord we will drift away we must be deliberate people of action people of purpose And so there are three things I see jumping out at me from chapter one, and that is you've got to see the intentional reprogramming of the young people of God. We got to see how the devil works. There's an intentional reprogramming of the people of God. But then secondly, we're going to see the intentional resistance of Daniel and his three friends. We're going to see a counter countermeasures against the attacks of the world. But then thirdly, and most importantly, we are going to see the intentional favor of God. Oh yeah. Let's jump right on in. Point number one, the intentional reprogramming of the young people of God. Well, when Daniel opens up, he gives us a chronology of what's going on here. While Jehoiakim is king of Judah Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, comes against Judah, which is the southern kingdom of Israel. You see, in 722 BC, the northern kingdom of Israel went into captivity to Assyria because they were not listening to God. They were not obeying God. They were not walking with God. They were 
committing all kinds of idolatry. So God imprisoned his people to the Assyrians because sometimes there's nothing like prison uh, getting captured to get your attention. But the southern kingdom didn't learn from her sister, the northern kingdom. So God had to bring Babylon against Judah. And this happened in 605 B.C. Matter of fact, there were three affronts against Judah, 605, 597, and then finally in 586 B.C. when Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple of God. But on this first encampment against the city, he besieges it and takes some of the articles out of the temple and he brings it back to Babylon. Now, the reason why this happens is because God allowed it. Because God's people, again, were not focusing on God. They were not loving the Lord, their God. They were loving everything else. And God is a jealous God. He's a good father. And he decided to lovingly punish his children. So the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 25 that Nebuchadnezzar became the servant of the Lord. This unbeliever became the servant of the Lord because God used him even as he used Pharaoh and any other king, because God is the God of history, to get his people where he wants them to be, he raised up Nebuchadnezzar to come and enslave the people of the south. And in 605, he did just that. And when he took articles out of the temple and then put them in the temple of his God, small g, it was a way of saying that your God has been defeated by my God, Bel, not Baal, but Bel, B-E-L, or Marduk in Babylon. But God allowed that to happen because God does not reside in artifacts. God is spirit. The highest heavens cannot contain him. And he told the Jews that the minute you turn from me, this house will become a desolate place because it's not about this temple, all this gold here, these lampstands. They represent me, but I'm not in those things. So when they left the Lord, their protection left. God raises up Nebuchadnezzar. He comes. He takes things, but he also takes people in 605. And the people he took were the young people. He took the young people captive, took them back to Babylon. So when we read the story, we got to look at it as Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are teenagers Because Daniel is going to live throughout the 70-year captivity, 605 to 535. He's going to live throughout that entire time. He's not only going to see the Babylonians in power, but he's going to see them dethroned by the Persians. So he's in the kingdom. He's going to be there as a government official. So if you're working a job around unbelievers, Daniel is good for you because it shows you how to be in the world but not of it. How not to deny your king as you serve the government or whatever, wherever you work. And so he's going to see these kingdoms rise and fall. So he has to be a teenager, probably around 14 years old when this thing jumps off in 605. And he makes up part of the nobility of Judah, meaning that the enemy, Nebuchadnezzar, said, give me the choicest young people. Because he had a plan to reprogram them, to Babylonize them. Because he had vision as a king. Because he would use these Jewish kids, reprogram them so that when they came back against the Israelites, 
their own people would be speaking on behalf of Babylon, which would further confuse the people left in Israel. So he was discipling them. And the way he reprogrammed them over this three-year period of time was he said, I'm going to immerse these kids in the literature of Babylon. They're going to read our history. They're going to learn our language of Acadia. So it was an intentional reprogramming, even brainwashing of the young people because whoever has the young people has the future. Whoever has the seed has the future. The devil knows that. That's why he's always been after the seed from Moses all the way up to Jesus Christ. If he can kill the seed, he might can kill the deliverer. If he can stop our children, he may stop the next leader who's not only to lead this church, but above all, lead our nation. So he's always after the children. If I can kill the children, stop the teens. But as much as the enemy, that's his plan. God still lifts up a standard to protect Moses, to protect Jesus, to protect our children against the onslaughts of the enemy. So God is still at work. So he had this intentional plan, and that is I'm going to change their language. I'm going to give them new literature. I'm going to give them our food. Now, when you begin to eat the food of another culture, again, you are immersing yourself into that culture. You are accepting the culture. But these are Jewish kids And they are supposed to have a kosher diet. There are certain things they are not supposed to eat, especially if the meat is sacrificed to idols. And no doubt in Babylon, those things were sacrificed to these pagan gods. And so Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar, it was intentional. And then he changes their names changes their names because your name signifies your identity Daniel's name means God is my judge but then they change his name Daniel L God Daniel God is my judge to Belteshazzar which may even have an effeminate kind of meaning to it as I've been researching it this week but it talks about Belteshazzar or Bel is my God. So, so there's this intentional shifting going on. And if you think that the devil has stopped being intentional against our children, you need to wake up. Your name signifies your identity. My name, Christopher, means Christ bearer. Thank God my parents gave me that name because before I even knew Christ, my name said I was going to bear Christ. Thank God. Side note to the parents, when you're naming them babies, look into the meaning of those names. We have rich African heritage as African Americans. Do your research on the names of your children. But the enemy said, let's change their names. So this was an intentional reprogramming. And it was going to be for three years against these teenagers because the enemy wanted them to ultimately serve him. And today the enemy is trying to reprogram our children because there is a philosophy in the world that is contrary to the philosophy of the kingdom. And if our students don't understand that they have a citizenship from above, they will get sucked into the world system every time, every day. Just like us as adults, we struggle with the system. 
as Eric got up and implored us about giving today, we get sucked in to try to keep up with the Joneses. We get sucked in to thinking that this money, that's what it's all about. We've bought the lie of the world. Money is just a tool. It's a resource. It's an indicator of where our hearts are. But if we don't understand this as adults, we are worldly as it pertains to money. So, so this, this thing, it's no respecter of age or culture. But the good news, we've got to see the intentional resistance of Daniel and his three friends. Look at verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. But Daniel. Now, we don't know how many teenagers were captured but there were over four of them we know because there were four who made a stand but as you look at the scriptures it looks like there were more who did not so let's just say there were a hundred of these young people and I'm sure there were more than that that were taken captive these were the nobles kids these were the kids from great lineages The king specifically grabbed the good-looking ones, the ones who were quick to learn, the ones that had the most potential. Let's say he grabbed a hundred of them, and out of that hundred, we only see four of them making a stand. And it starts with Daniel. So uh, let's see if I can be real right here. Everybody in the youth group ain't really trying to stand up for Jesus. Any more than everybody in the church is trying to live for Jesus. Now, I know we're all in process. That's why we need community. That's why we need leaders to help challenge us and motivate us many times without using words. But when I was growing up, I was one of the derelicts in the youth group. I was not coming to the youth group in Baltimore to learn about Jesus. I was coming to the youth group to get girls Oh, yes. Oh, yes. No doubt about it. I wasn't worshiping when we went downstairs in the basement. That's where most of the youth services were for us in the basement. I'm trying to get phone numbers. Church was fun. Wasn't a lot of guys at church. I could Mac at church. So my identity was with the world. Even though I was in the church, the church wasn't in me. Jesus wasn't in me. I was there as a social event. I didn't care about Jesus. And I would imagine that we have young people in this church. Hmm. I hope it's not a majority who are out there. But let's not try to act like it couldn't happen with our kids. No, my kid, no, no. No, my kids struggle. Your kids struggle. The world is strong. It's got a magnetic pull. And let's just be real, man. But, but what I'm looking for, I'm looking for who are the few Who's the remnant that's really not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus? Because if we can't stand in here, no way you're going to stand out there. If we're afraid to carry our Bibles in here, pray in here, you'll never pray at the lunch table. You'll, you'll, you'll never make a stand. So, man, we've got to have intentionality. We've got to be bold. Why? Because the devil is bold. The world is bold. And we've got to stop being weak. Unless we say, Lord, I'm weak, make me strong. Make me a warrior for your sake. Oh, man, I'm coming. I'm coming with more. You hold on. I'm coming somewhere. The Bible says, but Daniel, meaning that the flow was going this way, but one man said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going with it. 
I'm not going out like that. But Daniel is a contrast. But Daniel means I'm not going out like that. I know that there may be 96 people in my youth group going this way, but I'm going to stay with my friends. We are not going out like that, and I don't care what you say. And sometimes the worst persecution you get comes from church folk. Oh, you a holy roller now. You talking all that stuff in the church. We'll see you on Monday in Centennial or Franklin or Brentwood Academy if you're really going to stand for the Lord. I hear you praying now, but let's see what's going to happen after the football game with everybody hanging out. Some of the worst persecution can come from so-called Christians that we kick it with. As I'm going to say in a minute, everybody who says that your friend ain't your friend, and we got to learn how to, uh, uh, what's the word? Segregate. Let's redeem that word. <laughs> oh, oh, I got to go somewhere. But Daniel, and I asked myself, when was the last time there was a but Chris in my life? Every other pastor's doing this thing. Everybody's believing this or preaching this kind of message but will Chris go with that or will Chris stand? You better know Chris is going to stand. Will our young people stand when they're tempted to go? Will there be a but with your name? But Daniel. Daniel made up his mind about the temptation before he was tempted. So that when he was tempted, the temptation wasn't as tempting. I'm going to say it to you one more time. I'm going to say it slow. My mic is getting muffled. I don't know what's going on. I will preach it if I got to yell it. It doesn't matter. Before Daniel was tempted, he made up his mind so that when the temptation came, the temptation was not as tempting. What do you mean? If you don't make up your mind before you get tempted, chances are you will give in to the temptation. But if you make up your mind of how you're going to live your life, when the temptation comes, it's not as strong as if you had not made up your mind. So he was prepared. He practiced godliness. He knew who he was. He was intentional about his relationship with God. And so when you are intentional to make up your mind, uh, all right, let me come down your street, adults. Singles. We live in a world where fornication is promoted everywhere, even amongst Christians in some churches. Hey, man, people just live together. People just fornicate. You don't expect us not to do that, do you? Well, here's the thing. If you don't make up your mind beforehand that I am not fornicating, when you are thus tempted with fornication, chances are your body will take you where maybe your spirit, your spirit doesn't want to go there, but your body will go there. Well, you haven't made up your mind that I'm staying pure. Marry folk. God only approves sex between a man and a woman who are married to each other. Any other sexual relationship is forbidden by God. So, just go ahead and make your mind up right now that sleeping with someone else is not an option. All right, you don't want to say amen with me? Let's talk about divorce. When you make up your mind that divorce is not an option, divorce won't be tempting when you're going through a situation where you want to think about divorce. But you make up your mind ahead of time. And therefore, temptation won't be as tempting because you've determined already, you've been intentional already. 
And when you are intentional, you can then be aggressive. Daniel made an aggressive move right here because he was putting his life in jeopardy because they could have killed him on the spot because he was rebelling against the king. So when you are intentional, man, be aggressive. I remember when I was coming up, I played peewee football. And uh, the cheerleaders would be on the back singing one of these cheers called Be Aggressive. Y'all remember that? Be aggressive. Be, be aggressive. Be aggressive. Be, e, aggressive. Be, e, a, g, g, r, e, s, s, i, v, e, aggressive. Be, e, aggressive. Y'all remember that? You be out there playing. You hear that chair, you be like, oh, yeah, let me crank it up a little more. <laughs> Come on, young people, let's be aggressive. Stop being passive about your faith. You stop taking punches and start giving some for a change. Stop punking out. Okay, you talk about Jesus in school, what are they going to do to you? Your friends are going, what? But they're going, try it one time. Just try it and see what happens. I'm telling you, there's just something about the name Jesus. Something about the name Jesus. It is the sweet. Oh, man, I wish I could say. Not only is that name sweet, it's powerful. Demons tremble at the sound of that name. Just try it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Daniel, there was contrast in his life. And this is how he was able to stand. He had his own relationship with God. Dig this, 14 years old, taken captive to another land. Mommy and daddy are not around. He's got to determine who he is. But because mommy and daddy raised him in the fear and admonition of the Lord, it's proof by how they named the boy. He cultivated his own relationship with God as a teenager. Hear that? As a teenager. He's not like, well, I'm going to wait till I get older. I ain't really trying to do that stuff right now. I'm going to get serious about God later. You might not have later. Get serious about him now. If you know your right hand from your left, get serious about God right now. And so Daniel had his own relationship with God that produced conviction. There's a difference between conviction and belief. You see, we all believe. I had some beliefs as a young teenager. I didn't have any convictions. Beliefs are things that you hold. Convictions are things that hold you. Daniel had conviction. He knew the Bible just like the other kids in the youth group knew. Do not eat that food or drink that strong drink. Don't do it. They all knew what the Bible said, but this boy acted on conviction. Why? He had his own relationship with God. It wasn't predicated on his mother or his grandmother. He knew him for himself. Little Samuel heard the voice of God at about five years of age. When you know his voice, don't harden your heart. When you hear his voice, walk with him. Get to know him. And when you read his word, you begin to understand his voice. Some of the laziest people you ever want to meet today are teenagers. Y'all don't want to work for nothing but want everything. You want money and resources, a car? You want to live on your own? You can't even keep your room clean. 
And this is the day and age where we got an app for everything. At the fingertips, we can press a button and get all kinds of knowledge. We are inundated with knowledge. But what good is knowledge if it's not applied? That's why we can go through all the Bible and get all the answers. But if your heart isn't towards God, what good are the answers? And a lot of our kids can quote the Bible and still live like hell. Their hearts haven't been caught and touched by the Lord yet. There is no app for spiritual growth. There is no replacement for prayer. There is no app for Bible reading. You got to read the Bible for yourself. Adults, if your Bible stays in your car from Sunday to Sunday, never coming into your house, you got some growing up to do. If the only time you open your Bible is when I say turn to something, you've got some growing up to do. Because God can't get in you if you don't get in his word. Oh, I just like sleeping in. Well, how about going to bed earlier at night, not watching that fourth movie? So you can get up or turn the movie up and read at night, do something. There's no app for fasting. Daniel fasted as a teenager. And I'm here to say, I bet you he was fasting before they even tempted him with the wine and the food. His mind was already made up. Man, we need young people. I'm confident that we got some like this in our church. I am confident that we got a few because all we need are a few of them on fire to set the rest of us on fire. And that's why in this church, I'm going to be on fire by the grace of God. So if you ain't got no fire, come brush up against me and let some of this Holy Ghost fire get on you. That's why I like hanging with Aubrey. Before he preached, somebody said, oh, that's that dude that like to yell and scream. Yeah, that's him. That's him. When Aubrey pray, oh, he talking. To, oh, fire. Put me next to people with fire. I know we got some young people in our youth group who have fire for God. And if you don't have any fire, be smart enough to at least hang around where the fire is till you ignite. Okay, you may not be where you want to be, but man, hang out here. You'll catch. And the more you spend time with God, the oil, you become combustible. You get with the oil of God. Oh, man. Woo! Man. I'm looking for a remnant up in here. Daniel had purpose. The Bible says he purposed in his heart. He had purpose. And when you have purpose, you will live your life with purpose. But if you don't know your purpose, you won't live with purpose. What's your purpose? As a Christian, you've been bought with a price. You are not your own. You are to glorify God in your spirit and in your body, which are the Lord's. That's your purpose, to bring glory to God, the one who loves you and the one who bought you with his blood. Now, the specific purpose, he'll reveal that to you. Am I to be a banker, a lawyer, a teacher, a doctor? What am I supposed to He'll reveal the specifics, but let's get the generals first. My life is not my own. My purpose is to bring glory to God. But if I don't understand my purpose, I'm going to get sucked into the world's purpose every time. I'm going to be a follower when I should be leading. If you don't know your purpose, you won't live with purpose. So generally, your purpose, if you know Jesus... It's to bring glory to him and to enjoy him. That's your purpose. Your purpose is not to do what everybody else is doing. 
I hope the young people haven't turned me out. Do not change the station. Another thing Daniel had that made him stand, he had three godly friends who stood up with him. It's about to get personal. He had three homies who stood up with him. You see, I'm supposed to stand. What it is? Don't cover the antenna on the bottom. It's a habit. It's one thing to stand by yourself, and we should do that. But standing is a lot easier when I'm standing with people who are standing for the same God. That's why we come to church every week so I can see people who are standing for God to encourage me in my stand for God. And if I'm kind of hunched over a little bit, you come lift me up. If you're hunched over, you're struggling in your stand together in the presence of God, we get stronger so we can go back out to make a stand in the world. So you are a picture of your friends that you keep. Bible talks about it all the time. Proverbs 12, 26. The righteous should choose their friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. You just can't kick it with everybody. Especially if you're not strong. Don't talk about what my ministry is to go, you know, minister to the people that smoke in pot. But you're not strong enough to resist marijuana. That ain't your ministry. First Corinthians 15, do not be misled. Evil communications corrupts good morals. Pastor, how do you know those scriptures? Because I had to memorize them as a teenager. Again, I was the dude in the youth group getting nothing out of it because I'm trying to get at girls. I was saved, I thought. I mean, they're praying the salvation prayer every Sunday just to make sure. Every Sunday, Baptist church, they give an invitation, open up the altar. I'm, I'm, if I'm not coming up, I'm in my seat. Lord, come into my life and save me. The next Sunday, Lord, come into my life and save me. Next Sunday, Lord, come into my life and save me. The Lord's looking at me like, boy, you're saved. You need to live right. You need to repent. Get your life together. <laughs> so I had to start. Let me get some new friends because dig this. I lost my virginity. Because of friends, so-called friends, that I thought I had to impress. I was a 12th grader. And I'd never slept with a girl. But all my friends were saying that they were sleeping with girls. I didn't know back then that most of them were lying. And I thought in order to keep their friendship, I had to do what they were doing. I didn't have enough guts to stand up. I didn't know what the Bible required of me. I was like, I was worldly. As a saint, as a Christian, lost my virginity, trying to impress one of my friends who couldn't care the less about me. I'm ruining my life for this nut, for this bum. But here's how it works the other way. When I got serious about the Lord, God put some friends around me where now we made living for God and sexual purity a goal to have. And we started holding each other accountable in college about pornography. We started holding each other accountable in college about masturbation. We started holding each other accountable in college about our dating habits and relationships. And because of my friends, 
Andre Sims and Daryl Fitzgerald. I was able to stand and date the woman I'm married to in a righteous way. So friends can either take you down or friends can lift you up. And every day you got to decide, who am I going to kick it with? Because a friend, it can dictate your destiny. So there's some people you might have to lovingly cut off until you can get stronger. He had three friends, man. Thank God. Do you have any friends? I mean, for real. All it takes, man, just two of y'all. Y'all can say, let's do this together. Joshua had Caleb. Come on, let's do this together. Let's hold each other accountable. Grab a girl. Girl, girl, guy, guy. Let's do this together. I know what the temptations are. I know what you're dealing with. But let's hold each other up. If you're struggling, call me. If I'm struggling, I'll call you. That's how you're going to make it. But then finally, y'all, look at the intentional favor of God. Now, the Bible says in verse 9, Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Favor. I got to say this. God didn't show up. He was always there, but he didn't manifest his glory. He didn't show up until Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego decided to stand up. A lot of us, I don't see God in my life. Have you taken a stand for God? When you stand up, he will show up. Why should he give you more revelation if you won't act on the revelation he already gave you? Stand up with what he gave you right now. Draw a line in the sand right now. I'm not going out like the rest of them. Forget the world. Maybe my youth group is bugging. I'm not going out like that. I got my homies, my homets with me. We've drawn the line. And when you stand up, watch God show up. Favor hit this man's life. This eunuch, God moved on the eunuch's heart. He works for the king. If these boys don't look right, as the king is reprogramming them, the eunuch can lose his head. But Daniel says, God gave me a plan. Because once I stood, he downloaded stuff into me. Here's the plan. Give us 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables. And I promise you, we'll look better than the other kids who compromising. The eunuch should have said no. But because there was favor, 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 the eunuch said, okay, I shouldn't do this, but okay. After 10 days of vegetables and no idolized meat after 10 days of water and none of the king's wine after 10 days of commitment to Jehovah to Yahweh the Bible says they came forth 10 times better than everybody else and their flesh was fat it means they were in shape they looked good their eyes were bright the teeth were white everything was glowing about them they looked better they stood head and shoulders above the rest why God got their back because they decided to make a stand for God and some of you right now are like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to? Well, I'll tell you what. God wants to show you. But how about you take a stand right now? You stand up and watch him show up about what he has for you. It's the truth in my life. When I started making my stand, he started revealing his will. 
He started revealing his will. He would not and could not have revealed it had I not stood because I couldn't have handled what he was going to reveal in the position that I was in. But once I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to get my mind right and be intentional about seeking those things which are above where Christ is. Not below where the world is, but where Christ is. God says, here comes revelation. Here comes direction. Here comes relationships. That eunuch was there for Daniel. Here's a man that's going to give you a car. Here's somebody that's going to help you through school. Here's a relationship that's going to help you with this. Here's somebody that's going to help you with that. Favor started breaking forth in my life because once I stood up, God showed up. So I'm here to say, if you've fallen down, young people, get up. If you've fallen asleep, wake up. If you want revival, pray up. If you're still making excuses, grow up. If you know you messed up, fess up. If you haven't joined the Lord's army yet, sign up. If you need living water, drink up. If you need the bread of life, eat up. If you don't know the Bible, read up. If you can't defend your faith, study up. If the devil is attacking, tell him, back up. If you believe Jesus raised up, then send the praise up. And if you're tired of being fed up, it's time to man up and say, I'm not going out like that no more. I tell you what, let's go, let's go. But we got to be intentional. We got to make up our mind to be deliberate. To stop straddling the fence, being a double agent, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And I'll send you back in there as an agent for me of salt and light. You'll make a difference. Daniel had a couple of things going on. He had a heart for God. He had his own relationship. He understood his purpose. And he had friends who stood for him and with him. What do you have? What do you have? Let's pray. Father God. The world isn't playing. Young people are being abducted in Nigeria. Israel, kids are dying in Chicago. A man just told me this morning coming into the sanctuary about young people dying in Memphis through street violence. The devil is playing for keeps. Lord, you give us weapons that are not carnal, but they're mighty in you for the pulling down of strongholds. We stand in the gap, we intercede, we speak the words of life, we love, we bless. We encourage, we pray, Lord God, that you would do great and mighty things. Help our teenagers in this church. As there's been a lot of transition, we've moved from place to place. Some of them have so many great things going on in their lives. Some of them are facing parents separating, divorces, parents losing jobs and changing schools. Some of them are growing and developing and they're trying to find out who they are. Lord God, I just pray that they would always know your voice. I pray for a Goshen blessing on Strong Tower, that you would protect the children and the students in this church with a special blessing. Watch over and keep them. Lord, next week as we talk about the young men who did not bow to the music, who did not bow to the music of Nebuchadnezzar, I pray that we will hear what you have to say for us next week. Thank you, Lord. We love you. And we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. 
for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me at this time?